welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. And if you can please turn with me, we are going through the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. The title of our message is The Two Witnesses. Just to let you know, we are going to be going to verse 5. I originally said uh, verse 14, but there's just too much good stuff here, so we're going to slow down. But two witnesses, that's the, the two witnesses is the title. Pastor Dave was sharing with me that uh, last Sunday as he was teaching the fourth graders that uh, he was showing them a video. It was kind of funny. He mentioned that he was, he was trying to mirror the, the video up on the screen from his phone. And while he was mirroring it, I guess it connected to the high school room. So the high school room was watching the video for a short period of time. <laughs> And it would cut off our message because that's our overflow room right now. And so, so that was funny. But he, he ended up, I believe, showing it on your laptop. So he ends up showing it on his laptop to the kids. And it's talking about the Old Testament, how everything points to Jesus, points to Jesus. And so he was prompted to share with these kids. And there's new kids there. So he asked if they all have prayed to receive the Lord. And three of them said they didn't pray to receive the Lord. And he says, would you like to? And then uh, three of them said, yeah, we'd like to pray to receive the Lord. So four fourth graders last Sunday prayed to receive Jesus. Isn't that great? <laughs> the grandmother was so excited. She was at first service, and she's like, that's me. That's my, da- my granddaughter. And, and I guess and Dave was saying, too, is the, uh, the one girl was all like, the boys weren't so excited, but the little girl was all excited. And she got it. She understood. And, and I just think about how the fact is sometimes us guys are a little slower than the girls. So it, it might take them some time to catch up. But we're called. We're, we're called to witness to others, to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. That's what we're commissioned to do, to witness. But we're not only called to witness to others, we're called to be a witness. In other words, our lives should be a living testimony in front of people that we're changed, that the power of God has changed us in such a way that we're different than the rest of this world. And it doesn't mean we don't sin. It doesn't mean we're sinless. No, but we should sin less. And there should be a change going on. And some people won't even like the change. But we're called to be a witness in this world by the power of God working in our lives. The two witnesses that we're going to read about, they're going to show up on the scene during the time of tribulation. They are going to be used powerfully during the time of tribulation. And I pray that we as believers while we're here, that we would also be used powerfully, not just used by God, but powerfully used by God. Amen? Amen. So as that is a way of introduction to our text, uh, can you please stand with me as I read out of Revelation chapter 11. I'm going to be reading five verses. So verses one through five, we're going to be talking about the two witnesses. John the apostle writes, then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God the altar and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles or the heathens. And they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months, three and a half years. And I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouths 
and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. Wow, Lord. As we ponder these five verses, Lord, I pray that you would give us application. Lord, we pray that you give us understanding of what all this means. What does it mean to us personally, Lord? May you go, on, go beyond my notes. May you go beyond anything prepared. May you use these notes, Lord. Lord, everything you want to use, anything you don't want to use, just take it away. We desire to hear from you. May you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. The Apostle John that's writing the book of Revelation, as we've been looking at, he's, he's writing about future events. He's writing about things that will take place in the future. We've been looking at the time of tribulation. There's going to be a seven-year period of time in history, in the future, a time of, it's called the time of tribulation. Three and a half years of that tribulation is considered the great tribulation period. Great tribulation is going to take place. As believers in Jesus Christ, I do not believe we will be here at all during those seven years. Some believe that the church will be here uh, there till the middle of the, the, the seven-year period, and then we'll be raptured. Some believe that we're going to go all the way through the, the, the time of the tribulation. Some believe that there's a little, you know, like a little uh, yo-yo. We're going to go up and then come back down. I don't know how all that works, but I'm comforted in the fact that I believe the Bible teaches very clearly that we won't be here. So the, the events that we're reading about is going to take place on the earth when we're in heaven. You see, there's a marriage supper of the Lamb. There's a seven-year period. During that time, we're going to have a feast with our Lord, and we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to be with him. And it's going to be, as Pastor Chuck would say, glorious. <laughs> it's going to be glorious. This time on earth is the closest thing, if you're a believer, the closest thing we'll know to hell. This is it. We have tribulation, we have troubles, we have difficult times, but be of good cheer. Jesus Christ has overcome, and we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. So we won't be here, and I'm so grateful for that. In verse one, it talks about a temple. I believe this is the third temple. That in history, back in uh, 586 BC, there was Solomon's temple. That was the very first temple built. If you know the story, Solomon was the son of David, King David. So Solomon was a king. He built the first temple. It's known as Solomon's temple. It was restored, rebuilt a few, you know, at times through Zerubbabel and others, uh, but that's not considered the second temple. The second temple is, cons the one that's the second temple is King Herod's temple. And that was built right around 19 BC. So it's uh, the second temple. This is the third temple here. And I believe it's going to be built sometime in the very, very near future. And we're going to talk about that. So let's look back at verse 1. It says, then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. So there's a measuring rod. He's to, to measure. There's a, did you notice something really stood out? It said that when it talks about this measuring rod, it was given to him. So it was given. It was, I was given a reed like a measuring rod. So I think through this. I, I don't know if you do this when you're reading scripture. It's like he's trying to explain what he's measuring with. They didn't have tape measures back then. So there's some kind of a reed, some kind of a measurement. But if he was given it 
you know, from heaven. I mean, this thing, it could have been. This is just me speculating, okay? Like a laser measuring thing even. I mean, because he does like this, and then he knows exactly, you know, you know, what that measurement is, what this measurement is. But it's interesting. It's some kind of heavenly measuring stick that we don't know anything about, but he's measuring. As Dave mentioned, Pastor Dave mentioned, uh, next door we are praying if the Lord would have us move over there. And, and I, I, I covet your prayers. Um, we would love to get as much space as we can because we need it. Uh, I mean, uh, for first service, it's just unbelievably packed. But it's been interesting. I've been over there with contractors and different people looking at it and, and all. And, and so one of the times I was sitting at my desk and my wife was next to me and she was literally, I didn't know what she was reading, but she was reading this verse and it says that he rose and took a measuring stick to measure the temple. And as she's reading that, I had a, a tape measure in my hand. I rose up and I said, oh, honey, I'm going to go measure over next door. And she's like... Because I was just reading that he stands up, he stood up to measure the temple. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's interesting. When you measure something, you, you might ask, well, why is he measuring it? Well, measuring something typically speaks of ownership. You usually measure things that you're going to occupy or things that belong to you. So it speaks of ownership. It speaks of evaluation. You evaluate its length, its, uh, its width. And so evaluation's going on here. I believe also it's, it's written here for, to show us certainty that there will be a third temple. That this isn't something that's, you know, metaphoric or whatever. It's, it's, it, this is actual. There's going to be an actual third temple. We're going to talk about that as we look at our next, uh, next verse here. So let's go to it. It says, but he's told, but leave the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it. For it has been given to the Gentile or the heathens, the unbelievers, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. Keep in mind, um, leave out the court which is outside the temple. Do not measure it. And it's like that doesn't belong to the Lord, that part. It's given to the heathens. There's a problem. There's going to be a third temple, but on the temple, most of you know, there's the Dome of the Rock, Right? So this baffles people. They say, well, how, how are we going to get rid of that Dome of the Rock? What's going to happen to that, that uh, Muslim mosque? How is it going to be removed? And, you know, how is this going to work? Well, it's interesting. Jewish scholars and others believe the Holy of Holies wasn't there where the, the Dome of the Rock was at. They, they believe it's in a place called the Dome of the Tablets or the Dome of the Spirits. It's like 322 feet north of the Dome of the Rock, and there's room there to build a temple right next to this. So it's possible, and I did when we were there last. This was our last trip. It was so interesting that when we were there, our last time in Israel, as you know, the rest of the group weren't able to show up because of the COVID. I mean, it hit right then, so we were there by ourselves. Literally, on the Sea of Galilee, there was four of us. Our friends were with us. We were the only ones on the Sea of Galilee. Everywhere we went, it was just us. And then it was very interesting. The only other group that we ran into that was there besides us was Jack Hibbs had his law enforcement group. They were having a tour. The same time we were having the tour together, we kept running into each other like, but we were the only ones there. And as far as I know, I'm told, we were the last trip they ever had. They haven't had a, they haven't had a tour since we left. Just interesting stuff where it says, leave out the court which is outside the temple, do not measure it, it was given to the Gentiles or the heathens. So it could mean that place there, the mosque will still stand there, the, the 
third temple will be built. We know for, one thing for a fact that we know, the third temple will be built. One way or another, it's going to be built. Um, Experts, I've heard many say that it would only take them like six months to build the, the new temple there on the Temple Mount. So it would be six months. And then you might say, well, isn't that kind of going to be difficult? Don't the Jews and the Muslims, they have a lot of conflict and all that? Well, I believe, this is my understanding, I believe the Ezekiel 38 prophecy will probably take place where the Muslim countries will come down, as it, we're told, with Russia and Iran and Turkey. They're going to come to attack, as we know, Israel. God's going to show up. God's going to wipe them out. And I think at that point, they're going to be like, well, what do you want us to do? We'll, we'll work with you guys. And that's when the Antichrist will come on the scene. He'll sign as Daniel chapter 9. He'll sign a, a, a seven-year covenant, peace covenant. But in the middle of that covenant, the three and a half years, uh, the Antichrist will rise up in the temple, declaring himself to be God. And then they're going to flee and that, all that. Uh, so where does this fit in, in the timeline? Well, let's see. Uh, let's look at this. I, I believe we're here. That's February 7th, 2021. You guys will probably know where this arrow's coming to, right? Right there. I believe we're right before the rapture of the church, <laughs> right? If you notice, I did switch Revelation 9 and put it in back to the first half because uh, that was a mistake, I believe. That it should be the first half of the, uh, the tribulation period will be Revelation 9. Last time I had it up on the screen, I had it in the wrong place. But uh, now Re- Revelation 11 Possibly, most Bible scholars are saying it probably falls into the middle of the, the seven-year period. Why is that? In, uh, why do we think that? Well, if you look at Revelation 12, we'll be there uh, in a few weeks. 13 through 17, Matthew 24, 15 through 21. You can look at that at your own time. Please take note of that. But what it shows is that in the second half of the tribulation, the Antichrist and, they're, and, and uh, the powers that be are going to attack and make war with Israel. They're going to come against them the last half. So, uh, so I believe that's, that, that's what it means when it says they'll be trodden underfoot in the text that we just read. So, but I, this is just me here. I think that it, they, this timing might even be right there, the arrow next to it. Because it's hard. Nobody can really explain it. If it's in the first half, that doesn't make sense. Second half makes more sense. But in the second half, there's still things that have to happen after the three and a half years. So it confuses everybody. So I believe possibly it's just before the, the, the middle part of it there. But that's my speculation. Everybody has their own speculations and the best thing we can do is wait and see because no one has the right answer for sure. We can only use scripture to show what we think will happen. But let's go back in our text. It says, and I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for two, excuse me, 1,260 days, Clovis sackcloth. The two witnesses will prophesy. If you're a note taker, the word prophecy means to speak under the divine inspiration. It means to speak prophetically, probably warning them of coming judgment. Or it can simply mean speaking forth the word of God. A couple of things I want to point out. These guys are going to have all kinds of power. I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy. But notice... What they're, what they're clothed in. They're clothed in sackcloth. I believe the sackcloth speaks of humility. 
You usually humble yourself. You put sackcloth on when you're mourning. And, and, and so it's not going to be like they're, when you, you see this, these powerful guys, and they're just, you know, yelling at the people. And da, da, da. I think it's, it's the humility that they have. So in other words, it, it, it's gonna, they'll have the heart of God. It's going to break their heart seeing all these people deceived. But they're going to have power, and they're going to preach the gospel. They're going to tell people to repent. They're going to tell the people the coming judgment's coming, but, but they're not doing it in a way. They're doing it in a powerful way, but they're not doing it in a prideful way. And that's so important for us, that we are to share truth. We're to come against lies, but we're to do it in a humble way also. Guys, we're living in a time that I've never seen, and I, I, I don't know if you're realizing this, that... We're seeing a shaking going on everywhere. A shaking going on in our governments. A shaking going on in the family. Shaking going on in the media. Shaking going on in the church. Shaking is going on everywhere I look. Everywhere I look at, there's a heavy shaking that's going on. And it's really causing people to show their true colors, if you will. These guys, their true colors are going to be humility. They're, they're going to be humble. They're not going to be these prideful servants like, oh, yeah, you know, you know it's, it's my way or the highway. No, they're going to be saying, repent, guys. You're wrong. You're deceived. Repent. 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 Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. God is coming. Repent. And I want to use this text to say, guys, we have an all-powerful God but may we realize we're called to be his humble servants. We're not called to, to at all be prideful in anything that we do, but we're supposed to do it in humility. We're supposed to preach the gospel, speak forth his word. And I want to tell you, do never, never forget when they prophesy, they're going to be speaking forth the word of God. Do not underestimate the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our first service, the gospel went out, and it just blow, blew everybody away. We just had all you know, people standing up in the sanctuary here, giving their lives to Christ and recommitting. One girl, uh, she's a heroin addict. She quit 21 days ago, and she just her testimony. I met her outside after she prayed to receive Christ, and that was first service. God was just moving in such a powerful way. And she was just telling me, she says, you know, the, the message was speaking to me when you, were, when you gave the message. She said, it was speaking to me, she says, about how here I thought I had 21 days clean because this is what I did. And she says, you know, through the message, it spoke to me, no, you need to rely on God to keep you clean and the power of his Holy Spirit. And then another testimony, another testimony. People, you know, come in here. This, this young lady, she said she said a prayer when she was a little girl, but she hasn't been walking with the Lord. She's like in her 20s right now. And just to watch the power. Guys, do not underestimate the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of salvation. The gospel, not us. To those who believe. Amen? Another little story as we talk about prophesying and speaking under the divine inspiration. Tuesday morning, I woke up, my time with the Lord, and and I felt strongly the Lord was not an audible voice, just an impression on my heart to call the owner of the, this complex, the, the landlord. And I've been talking to him you know, off and on, but, but then I was thinking, no, well, we're dealing with one of his employees right now. I don't want to jump over her head and, and do that. So I'm thinking, no, no, that must not be God, and I'm not hearing from God. That's just in my head. And 
So then right after that, I'm getting ready to go to church and my wife goes, honey, you need to call Kevin, the landlord. <laughs> and I go, and I'm, I'm, literally I stopped and I'm just staring at her like, like, why did he just say that? And she goes, I don't know. She goes, I feel the same way when we got this building. And she says, remember, you know, Doug, and, and there was all this stuff going on. And she says, and then God just put it strongly on my heart. And we went in there, and that's when they signed it. And we got everything closed and everything. And she goes, I just feel the same prompting. And, and here, listen to this. So this is your pastor. Pray for me, right? I says, well, I thought about that. And I says, but, you know, I don't want to jump over uh, this girl's head and go to the boss and all. And, you know, that's not a good protocol to jump over. Let's, it's in her hands. And she goes, oh, okay, that's right. Well, at 5 o'clock Tuesday, Kevin called me. <laughs> and then I knew she was speaking under the divine inspiration of God. Because I'm like, God wanted us to talk. And it was a great conversation. And God's doing something. He's really doing something. Keep that in prayer. But that divine inspiration of God, these men will, when they're speaking, it'll be divinely inspired by God as they're speaking, and people are going to know it. But I want to point out in all of this, we're not going to look at verse 6, we're going to pick up there next week, but I want to look at, notice, verse 3, I will give power to my two witnesses. Verse 6, these have power to shut the heavens. And they have power over the waters to turn them to blood. God's empowering these guys. I want to use this part to talk about the fact that God empowers his servants. First service, it wasn't even in my notes. I I was thinking about the tribulation saints. Do you know the tribulation saints will not have power like we have power? Do you know that? They won't have power. And I believe that the church of today, for the most part, they're living like tribulation saints. Are you following me? In other words, in the tribulation period, seven-year period, it's totally different. They will not have the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. Why do we know that? Because it says the Antichrist will prevail against them, and they will have to be beheaded for their faith. They're going to have to be killed for their faith. They have no power whatsoever like the power of the Holy Spirit that's given to us as a church. We're told in Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and up to 4, they were continually filled with the Holy Spirit, that the power of the Holy Spirit was upon their lives. And I want to be, and I desire for all of us to be used to the fullest capacity that God has. I believe as I've been praying and asking the Lord, you can sum up even this whole message is God wants to use you to the fullest capacity that he created you for. And if there's some kind of a measuring thing when we get up to heaven and there's like a measuring thing, you know, this is the, the capacity that God wanted to use, every one of us. And we get to heaven. And my question is, when you get to heaven and it's like by the power of the Holy Spirit using you for the glory of God, and this is it, this is the scale from here to 100, uh, are you here when you get to heaven? Are you going to be here? Are you going to be here? Are you going to be here? Or is it going to be God said, you know what? You won't believe all I had for you. You were satisfied with that. You see, these two witnesses were used to the fullest capacity. As we're going to read, when they spoke, if someone came against them, we're going to go there. When, when someone came against them, the fire came out of their mouths and they were killed by the fire of their mouths. And then I started thinking through that. If they weren't consecrated to God, what would, you know, this is just me. Please just humor me here. But it's like, I get this picture of just smoke coming out. Poof. 
No, they have all the power of God provided to them and they use it during the time of tribulation when someone comes against them to stop them, fire comes out of their mouth and the people are killed by the fire that comes out of their mouth. And what I'm saying is the reason why is because they're consecrated to God and they're being used to the fullest capacity that God has called them to, to be used by. Guys, the best way I can tell you, and I believe this with all my heart, we don't have long. You don't have long. We're all in agreement. We're going home soon. I don't want to miss out. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. Hopefully, we'll see you here later today. God bless you. You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.